Peace up. Peace A-Town. Up. Yeah. Yeah. again and it is on june 17th 2021 on thursday night bringing back the man from off the top rope you know him well because he's now a fixture on the show it's blackheart blackheart what's going on tonight man well we are just talking about what's going on in the nba what's going on in the sports world as of today thursday june june 17th Oh, wait, speaking of which, I still got to send my cousin his KT money. Can't forget that. So, yes, if you have lo- you know, if you have loved ones who are locked up incarcerated, please, each and every month, send them some money for the books. Thank you. Definitely, and always make sure to just check up on them because they always definitely remember the people that was riding with them and they were down um, in the trenches. So, definitely. Definitely always be there for your loved ones, definitely. Um but, wow, what a game that we saw here. You know, you and I, Blackheart, we were really off about this game. I said Kevin Durant was going to go out and kill the Bucks. That didn't happen. And we're going to Game 7 in Brooklyn Saturday. So now it is official. The Bucks won tonight, 104-89. Bucks pretty much won this game in the fourth quarter. Third quarter was actually a close game to end the third quarter, but Milwaukee held on due to Chris Middleton, 11 of 16, 5 of 8 from 3, 38 points, 10 rebounds, 5 assists. Giannis on 12 of 20 with 17 rebounds, 30 points, 3 assists. And for the Brooklyn Nets, you know, James Harden did come out and play better. He was 5 of 9, 3 of 6, 16 points. Durant, 15 of 30, 2 of 8 from 3. 32 points, 11 rebounds, seven turnovers, plus minus of a minus 25. And for Brooklyn, they had no scoring off the bench. Um, Mike James, zero points in three minutes. Landry Shaman, 22 points, just two. Um, 22 minutes, just two points. Uh, Bruce Brown, only three. You know, it was. it's definitely the game that Milwaukee needed to win. Milwaukee. This is their first elimination game seven game that they that they're now in since the 2001 Eastern Conference semis um, when they beat Vince Carter and Toronto to make it to the Eastern Conference finals where they would lose to Allen Iverson in the Sixers. So um, I got to ask you this here, Blackheart, what was your thoughts on this game six performance for Brooklyn and what do you make up tonight for Chris Middleton? This game wasn't about the Brooklyn Nets. This game was all about the Milwaukee Bucks. So, first and foremost, you got to tip your cap off. And of course, Arthur Kubo for doing the standard, the standard protocol where he's going to give you a double double tonight, as rightfully so with his 34 performance. But the star of the night was Chris Middleton. And I remember saying this in the previous two episodes that 
Without him being that second option, who the hell is going to fill in that void? He needs to own up to it. He got to play playoff basketball, which means you're going to have to score 30 to 35 points. Sometimes you might have to score 40, depending on the opponent. Who knows? So in this case, we finally got the performance that we needed to that we needed to see why was Chris Middleton an all-star player. And we finally got to see that. And we finally got to see that tonight. Now, for Brooklyn side of things, well, well, um, Kyrie, the bench wasn't really productive in the way that um, they were supposed to, even though clearly they're the away team. And when he goes to Milwaukee, more likely it's going to be a whole different atmosphere. No matter if you have just KD and James Harden, bit, bit, by bits and pieces, you see him coming back into form before he didn't have a good game in Game 5, and he, now he has a de- he had a decent game in Game 6 with 16 points. So now the key question is for Game 7 is what is James Harden's role going to be when it comes to Game 7 back in Brooklyn? If he doesn't give you the, at least the shade of Jim, James Harden from, he, I mean, from the Houston Rockets, I do not know if KD is going to give you, which, I mean, he proved it the other night, so I'm not doubting him now, but I'm, I, I have serious reservations about, okay, this is Game 7, elimination, both of these teams. Now, unless if Magic One or a Magic Gene pops out of nowhere and heals Kyrie's ankle, they'll have a fair, I mean, they'll have a fair wide shot of winning this thing. But if James Harden is not himself 100%, and he goes out there and try to give you twenty five. That means I expect Jeff, I mean Jeff Green, Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan, and one more other person come off the bench, more like more like Joe Harris, to give you productivity in Game Seven in order for you to win against the Bucks. How about this here, though, for the um, second half for just Milwaukee? Milwaukee in the second half shot under forty percent. Shot 13% from three. They only made two threes in the second half. And Brooklyn in the second half shot 42%. They only had two threes themselves on 16% shooting. Um, Fourth quarter, though, was Chris Middleton's performance was of 11 points in that fourth quarter. Bucks, by the way, are 5-0 in the postseason at home this year, 3-0 in this series. Head coach Mike Butenhoser of the Milwaukee Bucks has never won an elimination game as a head coach. So this will be a first for a lot of things. For Brooklyn, in my opinion, what's going to have to happen now is they're going to definitely need Jeff Green to come out and have a way better game because Jeff Green on two of nine tonight was just not going to click. Blake Griffin, when I saw this game, Blake Griffin, there was a lot of shots Blake Griffin was not trying to take, and I guess he was like very hesitant. But also Blake Griffin also has the toughest job on the floor. He has to guard Giannis Adenokounmpo, and guarding Giannis has not been – Anything easy because Giannis is having his games that he is. Giannis outside the paint is not has not been shooting great at all. He shoots five points per game less than he's shooting outside the paint. So Brooklyn, in my opinion, has to limit Giannis in that paint. If they can get him to start shooting outside the paint, then then Brooklyn will have a better chance. But Brooklyn, though, you know, I will give credit to them here. The defense has been the defense has been pretty shocking for this series because I don't think no one expected this to go seven games the way it has because the first two games Brooklyn took easily 
And then the next two games Milwaukee took, you know, with questions, you know, um, with the Bruce Brown missing that game winner. And then, of course, you had Kyrie Irving get injured in game four. And then game five, Brooklyn comes back down 17 and holds Milwaukee to just a bad second half. And it's it's starting to look that way. It's starting to be like this is the weirdest thing ever because, you know, in all of these seven games that has been played, none of these have hit over. None of them, none of the games have hit over in betting, which is actually very shocking seeing Brooklyn was the leader in over um, uh, total points this entire series, uh, this whole entire season. But also for Milwaukee, what they're also going to have to do is if Middleton does, because I don't think Middleton is going to have a, a perfect game like in game seven with the Drew Holiday on five of eight. Exactly. On eight of 21 tonight for Drew Holiday, one of 10 from three. He had uh, he had um, five assists on the night, too. But Chris Middleton had five assists and led the so and basically it's been more Chris Middleton being more of the facilitator than Drew Holiday because Holiday has just not been able to really play great offense, but his defense has been decent enough to where it's been passable. But I don't know what to tell you about this, you know, right here for Milwaukee, because PJ Tucker, one of six, um, three points in 35 minutes, but PJ Tucker is going to get credit for holding Durant to 32 points on 15 of 30. So, so I guess, I guess you take the good with the bad in this case, but. I mean, listen, there's only, Listen, there's only merely three bucks that scored double digits. The rest of them only barely even had five points. Yeah, I, I, I actually do agree on this because Brooke Lopez, you know, he should have at least had at least ten tonight. He only had eight. Now that eight says nine. a lot too. It, it it does it does especially seeing that, you know, that this is Brooke Lopez especially when Blake Griffin's guarding Giannis, you, you think that Lopez is able to at least get more shots and Brooke Lopez wasn't even taking no shots for three. He was inside the paint, so so that's very concerning if I'm the Bucks, you know, because but um as well, you know, Byron Forbes, you know, has really been really, really um not good in this series. Bobby Portis didn't even play tonight. You know, so it's gonna be tough. Brooklyn um was down by twenty one at one point in this game. But a lot of people thought Brooklyn was going to come back. And after the end of three quarters, it was 78-67 Milwaukee. So I, I, th- I did think that maybe Brooklyn was going to have this heroic fourth quarter like they did last game. But it didn't turn out to pass. So now that wraps up uh, another day of the NBA playoffs. Tomorrow, two games on tap. It's the Sixers at Hawks at 7.30, and we got the Jazz and Clippers at 10 p.m. Both these games can go ahead and be decided if Atlanta were to win tomorrow in Atlanta and the Clippers win tomorrow in Staples. So, um, Blackheart, I've got to ask you this here because, you know, we're going to get into the betting lines early for these two games here. Uh, Philadelphia, the minus three favorite on the road. They have the money line at minus 155 as the favorite. The Bucks are a plus three underdog at home. Who do you like um, in game six? This is going to be tricky because two of these head coaches, well, no, excuse me, one of these head coaches has somewhat these playoff rules, and meanwhile, one of them is looking calm, cool, and collective. He's not giving out no sign of freaking out like Doc Rivers has. And it's all going to be coming down to coaching these players. This is what it's going to be the deciding factor of who's going to win tomorrow night. 
who which head coach is going to be the most prepared, giving you different play plays and schemes as far as he can fucking see to shut down that team. So, it really be honest. I can't imagine a game seven, but I am going to imagine a game seven. Philadelphia is going to take that W. Simmons is going to have to come out and play fantastic tomorrow to shut the critics up about his free throw shooting and the hack of Simmons floss. He needs to come out of his shell. He needs to, to or he, Doc Rivers needs to put him in a whole different role when it comes to tomorrow. He can't be the point forward facilitator. He needs to probably just be as a point, a power forward. If anybody else, let someone else run and facilitate the floor for you tomorrow night. That's all I ask. But Sun's going to tell me, Iceberg Trey, oh my God, if he drops 40 tomorrow, John Collins scores about 20 and gives you like a decent double double or at least, or, or at least close of it. But somehow, McDonough needs to score at least 25 himself. He needs to be the he needs to be the scary purified sharpshooter the way I used to remember five years ago. So I'm going with Philadelphia over this one. It's, it's going to go to Game Seven. Money talks when it comes to the TV ratings, folks. I will say this here though: to me, every game has been really weird for the Atlanta Philadelphia because Game One, Atlanta took on the upset. Game Two, Philadelphia plays like Philadelphia should be playing. Game Three. Atlanta plays like how they play, and then game four, it's Philadelphia, and then game five, Atlanta comes back from down 26. Okay, game six is going to be 76's redemption back, back home for game seven. Exactly. So in my opinion, I got to take the Sixers minus three, but here's why I will say if the Sixers don't win this game tomorrow, it will not be because of Ben Simmons. It will be because of Tobias Harris, who only had eight points in the last game. So Tobias Harris is definitely going to have to step up and be the guy that needs to drop 30 as well. But, hey, bring it on. The guy that doesn't catch them all and probably only seen one season of Pokemon, <laughs> it's Ash. Ash, what's going on with you tonight? Hey, what's Ash, up? What's up? what's up? Yeah, game seven. <laughs> game seven. Uh, Ash, I got to throw you on the spot. Milwaukee or Brooklyn, game seven. I mean, my heart wants the Bucks, but I I think Brooklyn takes it. All right, all right. He's got Brooklyn. He's got Brooklyn, ladies and gentlemen. Um, but that's definitely um. So now that um, Ash um wanted to ask you this here, Sixers Hawks tomorrow night. Who do you like? Do you like the Sixers minus three on the road, or do you like the underdog Hawks at home plus three? I'm liking the Hawks. I, I I think the Hawks close it out. Oh, oh my goodness! Ooh. We got we got upset talk. I'm all upset. upset talk. Yeah. <laughs> it, all right. Um. Hacker Simmons. <laughs> hey, Ben Simmons <laughs> said on uh, November 29th, 2017, that Hacker Simmons would not work because he's going to knock down those free throws sooner or later. And now that video is now all over Twitter as the last couple of days have been because Ben Simmons still still is being hacked and he still ain't making the free throws. Um, there was an interesting set that I posted on um, a Facebook group chat. And um, it, here it is. It's Ben Simmons on free throws in the second round 
12 of 39. That's 30.7%. Damn. Yeah. So Ben is definitely getting hacked. And it's, you know what this Ben Simmons hack thing reminds me of? It reminds me of DeAndre Jordan when he was getting hacked like five years ago with the Clippers. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, but with, but with Shaq though, you under but you understand. Shaq, you a, yeah, but you could have gotten away with a hack yeah, of Shaq. Of but with yeah, DeAndre Jordan though, you know, and Ben Simmons, no, because Shaq they would do Kobe, it with Dwight too. Shaq, exactly, and you know, but Dwight Howard has had some has games improved. where he can make free throws. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And Dwight Howard has very approved in free throws, but yeah. but I will say though, a lot of players though say that it's mentally. And then you have players like Shaq who have said that, you know, I didn't take free throws seriously. So I think it's a little bit of it, – it, it's certainly mental as well. Because, like, LeBron miss, tends to miss often. Um, Luca, Luca's not a good free throw shooter. I mean, I basically say – I won't say skill set, so I won't say like a rapid consistency of doing it back and forth 50 times in the world. I made free throws on eBay 50 times. You know what I mean? It is certain people just not yeah. like that's a really not the type of skills. So, Simmons is just one of those people. You know what I'm saying? Like, say they Dennis Rodman, he wasn't really good at free throw shooting either. I, I will say that it has more to do to me, like mentally, yeah. you know, because 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 there is because NBA players they used to have this um, fear as well that NBA players actually never listed their legit real height because a lot of seven foot players always got injured. So Kevin Garnett, who was who is actually seven foot one, never put his height at seven foot. He always put six ten or six nine. Because Kevin Garnett said that if I listed myself as seven foot, I feel like I would have been injured or something. And it is true because in NBA's history, they've told yeah. you that seven footers over the years always get hurt. Do get hurt, yeah, and 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 they never and they're and they're not a longevity thing to keep. So so, but then that motto got broken, and with the free throws, I do think it, it has a lot to do with it mentally. But it also, but also, Kobe Bryant said this here. Uh, three or four years ago when he was alive. And he said this on the detail on ESPN+. Plus. Kobe said that Ben Simmons needs a whole new jumper to work. And Ben Simmons responded that same week saying, I'm not going to change my jumper. And, you know, you should always take advice from a five-time NBA champion, a yeah, NBA's MVP, and especially when he sees greatness in Ben. And he's trying to help. Yeah. Exactly, and and isn't and it's not like Ben Simmons is a bad shooter. He just doesn't take the shots. He doesn't you know, take the, the pink, shots. No, because no, how can you get better? Yeah, exactly. And, and I and I always think that you know Ben Simmons, he might be working with the wrong hand. You know, if he was right-handed, would Ben maybe be more confident taking these shots and such? You know, and also it also does have to come down to this here too, because you're an NBA player, and every NBA player knows this here. That in the offseason, you need to spend the thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars and get yourself a fucking shooting coach. Because getting one of them will help you more than more than you think. It, it, it's gonna cost you a heavy penny, but it's gonna be worth it 
then the next year your shots look better and stuff because because the team will provide one, but you need to get the best one that you can afford. That's how it should be, you know. Especially especially like you know. So that's and that's what I'm going to say right there, you know, because you know you know Ben Simmons this offseason, he's either going to have to go buy a jumper or. It's going to be trade talk time for him because if I'm the Sixers, I don't know. I don't know if I want to keep Ben Simmons if Ben Simmons is not making the free throws and stuff. Ben Simmons is a great defensive player. Don't get me wrong. He should have actually won Defensive Player of the Year this year. But offensively, though, he's going to have to be a guy that can at least put up Giannis numbers. At least when you say, well, Giannis doesn't have the offensive skill sets, at least you can look at the Giannis set line and say, well, at least Giannis had 30 right there. You know, granted Giannis, you know, as James Harden would say, I wish all I could do was just be seven foot and just um, drive to the basket. But it works because at least Giannis is having 30. So, and speaking of Giannis. And and um, that's because of his body type and his set, his skill sets. That's the only reason why, as I said, so like with James Harden, you mean something he's not a dead I mean he's like that he's not a dead eye specialist either. Yeah, I, and I will say this here. Um, how about this here for an interesting style on the night, guys? Both Giannis and Chris Middleton have multiple games this series with thirty points and ten rebounds. The only other duo in playoff series history, Kobe Bryant, Shaquille O'Neal, two thousand two Western Conference Finals. <laughs> Yeah, they, I know. What an interesting stat on the night. Um, shout out to ESPN for that stat, uh, ESPN Stats and Info, if you guys want to check that out. Um, other game that we've got Friday as well, Utah, L.A. It's the Utah Jazz and L.A. Clippers. This series can literally be ended in Staples tomorrow night. is out again. It's the, Clippers, the Clippers are the underdog in this, though. Plus one. The Jazz are the favorite, minus one, which means the Jazz needs to win by two for the Clippers. The Clippers just need to win the damn game or lose by one to get your money back on a push. Jazz are the favorite money line, minus 114. The Clippers are minus 106 for the money line. So I'm going to throw everybody on the spot. Is the Clippers closing out game six and going to the Western Conference Finals for the first time? Or it's game seven back in the Mormon state? Ash, you can go first, man. <laughs> you can choose your book on one now. This one's tough to say. <laughs> um, I think that I, I feel like the Clippers have the momentum. I, I, I think they, they go to the Western Conference Finals. Blackheart, Blackheart what do you think? I mean, as much as, as much as I will decide with ask this one, this is gonna go the game seven. I think I just have a funny feeling someone within the Clippers room is going to crack under pressure is gonna cause a major turnover issue and somehow I, I can't see Donald Mitchell really score fully five it's not really gonna happen. But he's definitely gonna have like a like a twenty eight Best way we laugh, but is the points are going to be spread around, so it's going to be a corner of people. Joe Ingles needs to have at least close to 19, 21 points. You know, there's a really good guy being a defensive player, and 
take the Dragon to seven because I'm just keeping my fingers crossed that if the CP3 is in that situation right here, oh God, if, if I'm just praying to God, he gets these three negative misses he can just go back and be able to play the game fucking what to the West Conference Wilds. So I'm trying to keep my fingers crossed. I'm not praying to God it's one but keep my fingers crossed that if it goes to game seven that's buying that's buying Phoenix enough time to get the Paul the Chris Paul situation handled. But hopefully he's back on the court before the game. Yeah, I'm to me. I feel like the Clippers are going to win this game. I'm actually going to go Clippers plus – I'm going to go with the Clippers money line minus 106. I'm going to take it. And I do feel like the – I don't feel like this game is going back to Utah. Utah, whenever they've left this – whenever they leave home, they don't play like the Utah Jazz. And yeah. I feel like if Paul George comes out and plays like that Indiana Paul George that like he he's did been, last game yeah. – it, this is going to be the Clippers winning this game. Reggie Jackson, he comes out and has a great game, and Marcus Moore Sr. Those are going to be the three guys that are going to mean the game. And if they hold Donovan Mitchell to another bad shooting night, it's definitely the Clippers game because Utah has proven without Donovan Mitchell as their scorer, this team is very bad, and they don't have Mike Conley this series, and I don't believe Mike Conley's playing game six as well. So, but that's definitely that's definitely what I'm thinking. I'm definitely seeing that happen. I just got the Clippers tomorrow night. But um, moving on to NBA head coaching, it seems like every day, whenever we don't do a podcast, it's another firing. So, but instead, this time it wasn't a firing; it was a step down. Rick Carlisle, who was with the Dallas Mavericks for 13 seasons, brought the Mavericks the only championship in franchise history in 2011. Stepped down today. Um, and here is what um, Adrian Warchanowski, the Woj, said about this here. This is actually live, um, so we're actually going to play this clip of Adrian Warchanowski. This is out. A generational talent, but an owner who's rather involved. So I guess in totality, Woj, if you were to analyze the attractiveness of these positions, how complicated are they? It's a really interesting dynamic, and, and throughout the league, there's a lot of conversation about how Mark Cuban is going to proceed here, because in a lot of ways, this is a very attractive job. You have an owner that's committed, who's willing to spend a great market in Dallas, and obviously a generational player in Luka Doncic, who's 22 years old. But the way Mark Cuban has run his organization is with him you know, very involved in basketball operations. Listen, Mark Cuban's always going to have final say, and his voice, like a lot of owners, is going to be important. But I think there's a level that Cuban is going to have to step back from. If he's going to be able to get the best of the best involved in that job, and you hire a GM, and then he's going to go hire your next head coach. But for Luka Doncic's future and and to maximize what's ahead for this Dallas team, I, I think that's a direction Mark Cuban's going to have to go in. He'll never do it. And the reason I have a big smile on my face, I'm sitting here in Washington, D.C. I grew up rooting for a team. They were then called the Redskins, now the Washington football team. That was really good. Dan Snyder is the owner, has been really involved, has sworn forever he'd take a step back. It's really hard for a very involved, I think, young, successful Owners in particular, at least, you know, you could say that about Snyder and Cuban, to, to, to extricate themselves from that. Do you think he would? Do I think he would all the way? No. And I don't think he has to all the way extricate himself. 
you know, he is a listen, he can be a great selling point in free agency. Mark Cuban has an aura about him and having him involved right, you know, right. around the organization and with players, it has value. But there's got to be a level of stepping back to allow, you know, of a, a front office to have the freedom and some autonomy to be able to do the job in maybe a different way than they've done it in Dallas. And it did work around Dirk Nowitzki, and they won for a very long time. I'm not saying they haven't had great success in Dallas. They have had great success with Mark Cuban, but it could be better. And I think with Luka and where he is in his career right now, he's got that $200 million extension awaiting him at the start of free agency, uh, and, and there's no indication that Luka's going to do anything but sign that contract, they have a chance now to go out and get an elite executive. Is it a time where Rick Carlisle still is appealing as a coach? I'm a big fan of his. What, what would the market be for his services? Absolutely. I think Rick Carlisle goes into the marketplaces, you know, especially for win-now teams, having that championship on his resume, a coach who has typically maximized the talent he's had. You know, if Rick Carlisle wants to coach again, I talked to him today. You know, he certainly didn't, you know, talked about wanting uh, to get back into it. If the situation was right, he's going to have opportunities, whether it's in this cycle now or if he sat out a year. But there's enough good jobs available uh, and enough teams who see themselves perhaps as win now teams who are going to have interest in Rick Carlisle. So, Blackheart, you heard that from Adrian Warchanowski on the Sports Center with Scott Van Pelt uh, live right now. What is your thoughts on the Dallas Mavericks? Because what the hell has happened to this team? Just a week ago, we were just saying they need to get rid of Chris Epps. Now Mark Cuban's got rid of the whole damn thing. Y'all know what's happening, folks. Just like Julius Caesar break was over, the Roman Empire starts to crumble and fall down to crumble and hash. And this is what the hell that we are seeing right here in Dallas, Texas. Well, as we have seen it crumble before, because years ago, we've been crumble first. But we were there, we spent the Dallas Ring, we'll know that. So, I won the rumors that I can get in. And then, you know, business as usual, there's always going to be a time where people stay for way too long, and they feel like they did everything, did everything that they could. And they can be like, you know what, I'm done. Sure, they may not say, okay, I want to stay for a year, but give me like 10 million dollars. And then, you know, and that's sometimes that's what a lot of these articles of players to come out come out and portray the situation to be as um so we don't know the I mean the real reason behind Rick Carlisle's departure besides maybe that he just had enough to mean during these seasons one championship that he just says like he can't
it's probably going to be treated in a way, but it's probably going to go somewhere else to work. And it's probably you know, a whole new system going to be embedded into Dallas Mavericks soon. I will say this here, though, for Dallas. Um, by the way, uh, Luka Doncic is due to make um, – 200 some million on a five year extension of a supermax because he made the all NBA team. However, you know, for Dallas now, there's a big issue because Mark Cuban has been so focused on the shark tank investments, the cryptocurrency that now he doesn't have a team. You know, his team is literally crumbling apart. And Mark Cuban to me is doing what Vince McMahon did right when the pandemic began. He fired Michelle Wilson, George Barrios. The XFL was a failure. And, you know, then Vince, you know, sold $83 million of his stock uh, to um, Morgan and Stanley, which he still owns till the year 2023. But this seems like to me like all Vince shit before the pandemic or right at the beginning of the pandemic. And. WWE is now like starting to get like their feet back under them as far as stock pricing be where it's at. But Mark Cuban, you know, now he's starting to show now there's a lot of cracks and now it's starting to show that, you know, this is a guy that's going to have to take a step back in order for Dallas to succeed. Except I don't see Mark Cuban doing that because Mark Cuban has proven that he will never do that. (laughs) I mean, he's never going to Mark Cuban's always going to have the last word because it doesn't matter if you're the coach. It doesn't matter if you're the the president of basketball operations. It's still Mark Cuban's team, and it's his money, and it's going to be how much money he wants to throw. I'm thinking that the Dallas Mavericks, and I would not be shocked if this happened. I wouldn't be shocked if Dirk Nowitzki got a call at by Mark Cuban and said, "How would you like to become the brand new head coach?" I really, I, I got that feeling. I just do because Mark Cuban, to me. He's already getting ready to bring in Michael Finley for basketball of operations, a former Dallas Maverick. And I got this feeling he's just going to bring in another former Dallas Maverick of Dirk Nowitzki because he's going to think, well, we worked with this system of Dirk for so long that we need to keep going to the same measures. And I don't believe that's going to work, but I just got that feeling he's going to call Dirk Nowitzki and offer Dirk this job. Because when I look at these other candidates, and Blackheart, you can agree or disagree with me on this. Mike D'Antoni, I don't see him being a fit. Actually, it was more that than mine. That was Steve Van Gundy's. Because Steve Van Gundy is a super fan of the Dodgers. He even he even close to admitted that already in the early interview earlier on when they were trying to, to say why was the culture between Steve Van Gundy and the new and between like Lonzo Ball and Brandon Ingram, how come that that chemistry that didn't work out? And then he told why. So I'm thinking. What if, because now that you got Steve Van Gundy out there, that he actually wants to work with on Jokic? Sounds like to me, Mark Cuban might actually do one of the stupidest people in America, but I can't even call him stupid just to figure out how the hell did he build the team around him and what the hell did he can do with some of those pieces, especially for Venus. Because you already know he might be out of the But in my opinion, though, I don't think Stan Van Gundy would work in Dallas. And here's why I don't say it would work, because... Mark Cuban actually has to take a step back. The problem is with Stan Van Gundy and Mark Cuban, it'll work for a year. And then after a year, you're going to hear bullshit about how 
you know, Stan Van Gundy and Mark Cuban can't get along because Stan Van Gundy is a guy that wants to be hands-on and Mark Cuban wants to be hands-on. And I don't think that's going to work. I, I can't see that relationship working. Mike D'Antoni in Dallas, I don't see working because Mike D'Antoni is going to preach nothing but offense. And Mark Cuban, what happens to Mark Cuban? It's like, well, that's a good system and all, but I don't like that system. And I want that system changed because Mike D'Antoni's the godfather of offense. And I look at other coaching candidates. Jason Kidd would be a perfect candidate, but Jason Kidd's not interested in none of these jobs. I, I, I that feeling. Jason Kidd is an ex-Maverick himself, so that's more. Ray Bradley would have that easier set. Yep, yep, yes. But here's why I would say it would be a great fit, because one thing about Jason Kidd, he would be able to develop guys – that could help Luca around, like the Tim Hardaway Juniors, like the Jason, like the Jalen Brunsons. These guys he could be able to develop and make them guys that could help Luca, so that way Luca doesn't have to be the scoring guy all the time. But I don't see any of the, I don't see no one really getting this job but Dirk Nowitzki because then I look at Mark Cuban, he's going to have to play nice with someone new. And that's going to be different because this is the first time he's going to be playing nice with a new coach in over 13 years. Well, before well, Carlisle, yeah, well, but before Carlisle they had Avery John- they had Avery Johnson for about five six years, and Cuban doesn't just. I mean, it's hard. This is going to be very hard. You've got a new GM that's coming in, you know, and I mean, here's I mean, and here's the thing here too, Michael Finley. He's I don't know how to judge his success. Because say Dallas next year is a 62-20 and 20 team. Say they are. Are we going to give Michael Finley credit or are we going to uh, give Mark well, Cuban credit? From that, but, okay. Um, to be honest with you, no, you have to split it three ways. Luca, him, and Mark Cuban. Who else is they going to really say? Mark Cuban brought Philly in. And then Philly helped out um, Luca Doncic, and then Luca Doncic is now is looking at Mark Cuban like, okay, like he's like, now he's a savior. It's a triangle. It's a whole triangle. I, I, to me, Dallas has proven that this past week that I don't even know if Luka Doncic is going to be a Dallas Maverick for the next five years because I mean he'll sign this extension because it's a lot of money. Luca, come, but that, Luca, but, but, come to Boston. We need you, baby bird. But but we're gonna see what happens. We honestly are, you know, because this is gonna be the weirdest thing for Dallas this year. Dallas now and the off season has now went from a story that they just needed to just trade one player. Now they've looked like they've got to get ready for a whole new franchise. And now we've got six, uh, no, seven NBA coaching vacancies now: Portland, Indiana, Washington, Boston, Dallas, New Orleans, and Orlando. So I've got to ask you this here, Blackheart. Would you like Rick Carlisle as the new head coach in Boston? Uh, that's a good question. That's a very good question. We're on delay, people. Blackheart, be back in a minute. Dead air. No, it wasn't that. It was just me doing some chronological thinking. Um, I mean, Rick Carlisle sounds good, but then again, it's it's only going to be right if Brad Stevens would have looked at him the same way how people look at um, um, Popovich. And to be honest, 
we don't need that. I think we need to try to set a standard with becoming a pro African American staff. I'm guessing from so I would say Rick Carlisle will get a thumbs up from Stevens, but probably will get a uh, midway confidence from the rest of the players. Especially Brown. Especially Brown. Brown would be the most vocal one at all. And I'm like, you know what? If he says something about that and it's not going to be good, I I say don't do it. I honestly think Rick Carlisle would actually be a perfect fit in Boston. He's he, um, His regular season, 555, 478 as a head coach, the most wins by a Dallas Mavericks head coach in franchise history. But I also think he would work. But if it's not, you know, Rick Carlisle's future to be in Boston, you know, it, it more than likely he will get a job somewhere. He's going to get a job with either Indiana or Washington or even New Orleans um, or Orlando, because I don't see Rick Carlisle, you know, being out of a job. You know, I mean, too Rick Carlisle with the Pacers, that would be good. Could that get uh, yeah. Could be good. That well, could actually people, help him really motivate them more to get into the playoffs. Well, all of them would be a good place for Rick Carla. I mean, Rick Carla is it. a very respected. I mean, he's a respected head coach. Uh, he's known as a player coach. People, you know, work really well with him. You know, you never hear anything bad about him. So, so it would work. I, I just don't know who it would work with, though. The best. Um, going to other news. Zion Williamson and New Orleans Pelicans. For some reason, now we're getting to the New Orleans Pelicans um, stuff. Here, how about this here, though? Before we get into the Zion stuff, the New Orleans Pelicans are actually considering leaving New Orleans after the 2023 lease is up at the Smoothie King Arena, meaning we could be getting basketball back in Seattle again. Black you really Hunt, think what, <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, because if because here's here's why I say this. Here's why I say this. Technically speaking, New Orleans is not a basketball team. It actually right. came from the Charlotte Hornets. We just had a very cheap owner in Charlotte that just didn't want to pay the damn fees for a lease like this. Because yes. this, you know what this reminds me of? No, you know what this reminds me of? This reminds me when the Hornets left Charlotte in 2002. I remember this because I okay. was a kid, and 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 I'll tell you how I remembered it. Because in North Carolina, because here's the thing in Charlotte, and I'm gonna and I'm gonna break it down for everybody here, folks. If wait, you wait, live in North wait. Carolina, wait, 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 one more, go ahead, quick little about that. That's like saying Al Davis on the Los Angeles Raiders. Back in the day, too, and then they moved from Oakland. They hated that move. Then they tried to come back. That didn't work out. And then they lost in the midst for nearly seven fucking years. But go on. All right. Well, I'll tell you this here. If you ever lived in North Carolina, Blackheart, here's, here's hey, what everybody, 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 everybody makes fun of Boston because they call it Texachusetts because of so many high taxes. Well, no, I call it, no, we call it Massachusetts because any man that every tax charge is always from a woman. Well, all, well, here's what I say about this here. When you live in Charlotte, taxes are already so fucking high. So most people live right outside of Charlotte in Concord, which is literally like five to 15 minutes out of the Charlotte area. Because in Charlotte, the taxes are already so fucking high because we pay for a fucking NFL franchise and shit. Which, by the way, we have a shitty NFL franchise of the Carolina Panthers because they don't know how to have a good um, staff. And then not only that, I remember this here as a kid. 
because every Charlotte governor we've ever had in North Carolina, they always pass the taxes, not in Charlotte. They always pass it for the whole fucking state of North Carolina, and Charlotte always tries to get out of this shit by saying, well, Charlotte's a part of North Carolina, so we have to bill everybody. That's so fucking bullshit, and here's how I'll tell you this here, because it was voted upon, because I remember this here, the Charlotte Hornets, they wanted to get – they didn't want to pay for a new arena. This owner did not want to pay for a new fucking arena. He didn't want to pay for nothing. He didn't even want to pay for the fucking lease. The lease he had to get on a discounted deal out after literally going to the city commission and the city commission voting to make the lease owner of the damn Charlotte place give him a discount. So here's what happened here with this here again. In in Charlotte, they were going to pass a bill where taxes would go up 5 to about 15%. To keep oh. the Charlotte Hornets in 2002. And oh. 68% of North Carolina people voted no against that bill. So he just took his fucking team and left and went to New Orleans for a way cheaper price. And this is the same shit that reminds me of New Orleans again. Because, yes, the New Orleans Pelicans are owned by the New Orleans Saints. But here's the thing here, people. The New Orleans Saints ownership it only cares about their football team. They can and, literally and pick up this basketball well. They can pick up this basketball team and just ship them to Seattle and make all their money back and everything like that and get a cheaper deal because none of these lease owners for the arenas are not giving out discounts. WWE has not been getting any discounts on any of the lease ships. AEW has been getting discounts on the lease um, arenas, but that's because AEW is running in smaller markets. They're not running in the Capital One Center. They're not running in um, Pfizer Forum. They're not even running in the... Um, Spectrum Arena in Charlotte, they're going to be running in the Bojangles Coliseum. So it's not like they're running these big shows, but WWE's running places, and the only place they've gotten a discount with was Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas, but that also had to do because of the boxing fight that night as well. Yeah, and I I was really going to say that's a brand new arena anyway, so they're ready to try and get their market strategy up for for that Coliseum because... Uh, the situation with Vegas and the whole Vegas Strip being remodeled done, and like it's turning into a complete new Vegas. So, hence the reason why they're trying to get their feet wet with this one. So, I see how much can we make profitable, marketable within the first year. Exactly, and here's and the thing is about New Orleans. When I heard this story, this kind of reminded me back of the Charlotte Hornets 2002, and you know this, and it really does remind me of it because. Technically speaking, New Orleans was never technically a basketball team. It was inherited by the Charlotte Hornets, and the Hornets brought their name back. So really, it's really been a basketball team for about seven, eight seasons. But I could honestly see this team moving and going to Seattle. Seattle right now just picked up their first NHL team, which is the 32nd NHL franchise. And I could easily see Seattle – and Seattle in Washington will actually – there will be people in Washington that will pay a higher tax dollar just to have basketball back and to have hockey there. They're already paying a 15% tax increase on hockey. So what's another 10% to them? They'll pay that fucking bill to me. I don't know why, but they will. And and, and And that's how I see it, you know. And I definitely see, and I definitely could see New Orleans leaving because if you're not going to get a discount on this lease agreement, then what's the point of staying? For New Orleans, though, hey, um, listen, man, that's the same thing with Al Davis and then what he did back then when you trying to hold up the NFL, we're trying to make that move. 
And then eventually, when he actually made that move, the whole city hated his ass. So, I mean, yeah, he's only been there for what? I mean, he's only been there for what, like ten years. So, yeah. So I can't really do too much. Or I can't really say too much about his sons, but they're living on his legacy pretty, pretty well. But we all know what a team more than that. That's all about the money, or it's or it's either my way or the highway. You know they're gonna do some crazy ass shit. Oh, I know, I know. I, trust me, I tell you, whenever it happens, shit, man. Even Joy Steinbrenner from the Yankees. Well, I, I, I will say this here: even NBA franchises, every time this happens, every time a, a team leaves the city, it always comes out with some bad shit. Seattle. When they lost their when they lost their team and they moved to Oklahoma, it was an issue. When the Hornets left Charlotte, it was an issue. When if the Pelicans leave New Orleans, it's going to be an issue, and we're going to have all this stuff that comes out. And then and then we're going to have people that say, well, you know, maybe they should have paid the higher tax. You know, trust me, I tell you, people, it's easy to say that. Whenever you're the ones that not getting like so much taken out of your fucking check just for working 40 hours a week. That's so easy for people to say to just throw on this extra tax and shit, especially in North Carolina, where now where, yes, the money in North Carolina has went up in like paying per hour. However, before the pandemic, you would be lucky if you made a 25 at a fucking McDonald's. So so I, so for people that are saying that oh well they can pay this tax no no it's it's hard it really is well, because, yeah because, no they can't well, so, no they can't because the economy level down down there in North Carolina uh, compared to up here in Boston Massachusetts is way high. Well, I will say this here in Charlotte, it's really high. Elsewhere, um, it's. Take a bat and show me where it's at, kind of. So, six point twenty five percent tax up here. So, what's yours? In Charlotte, it's at like I believe nine to ten percent. In Concord, it's about seven, and in other smaller places, it's, it's around the six to seven, I believe. So, definitely there. But in Charlotte, though, everyone wants to live there because in Charlotte, it's always the most of everything. So you get paid the most. However, buying a house is a pain in the ass, though. So, mm-hmm. Oh, it is. Oh, it is. It, um, how about this year, though? For the New Orleans Pelicans, though, Zion Williamson and his family are not happy due to the fact of New Orleans' ownership of management of David Griffin building a team and has not had a good team around Zion Williamson as now Zion's family is not happy that Zion's getting ready to get a third head coach. They're not happy with you know, men of Eric Blitzo and Lonzo Ball. And <laughs> so, uh, so, but I got to ask you this here, Blackheart. Wow. This was reported, this was reported by the athletic. What is your thoughts on Zion's family telling him that he needs to go ahead and find a new team? Um, and do you First think that off, Zion's family, down, have- family, he's still on a rookie contract. First thing foremost, they're not going to do that so fucking fast. Now I understand as a concerned parent, though I'm not an actual parent right now, but hopefully one day I am. Um, just as concerned family, yeah, they, yeah, like they, of course, they, they want to see their, their family member do, do better at looking at, I'm thinking that his family is looking at people like 
Devin Mitchell, people like Jason Tatum, people like Luka Doncic, all these young stars, and they're flourishing, and they got into the playoffs, and they have spectacular games, and then you look at Zion with the weight issues, and then his injuries, and then now with and then now, just like I said, the dirt head coach within the first three, you know, first two and a half, two and a half to three seasons of this young man's career thus far. So I'm not expecting David Griffin to have all the game answers because to really be honest with you, who really has all the game answers? There's only one person in the air that all the got in his name is the motherfucker that's his body is on the logo, Mr. Jerry fucking West. So. If your name ain't Jerry West, then you have no intelligence when it comes to how they're built around a team. Now, the only reason why David Griffin got the accolades and the roses is because of the 2016 team between LeBron James, Kyrie Irving, J.R. Smith, Larry Nance Jr., Kevin Love, X amount of people going down the line. Now, that's the only reason why he ended up getting this job in here in the fucking first place, because he got that because you got something that people can never say under their belt besides Tyron Lue that I coach a superstar and I won the title. Now, sometimes good press ain't, I mean, sometimes all press ain't good press. So this just means David, um, David Griffin looked more bad to not only the superstars, but the families of the superstars now. Now, just imagine Lonzo Bones' father now coming down and saying, what the fuck is this motherfucker doing? I can do a better job than him. And then what if he picks up the tab? Yeah, right. That whole new Orleans Pelicans franchise will go into shambles the day that Lonzo Ball's father takes over the reins. That is going to be hell on earth. So, for David Griffin's sake, I just think he just, just he, I think he just needs to step down. He needs to just take a couple of years, revision or relook at certain things over before he even become a GM. And then maybe, and then maybe you gotta go and do something that you actually feel like you have a certain say in, but also you got other people around you to help you make that decision yourself. You know what I mean? So, I, I mean, David Griffin kind of looked. I mean, David, David Griffin kind of looked like a priest. So, of course, that gave me a bad vibe. So, that gave me a bad vibe. That's to give y'all a bad, a bad vibe, too. I will say this here, though. I think that, you know, I, I don't know what's going on with the Zion family, but I'm shocked that they actually, you know, if this rumor is true, I'm very shocked about it because, you know, you not really heard Zion's family really say anything these first two years in New Orleans, and now – you know, third season now. Now they're now they're feeling like maybe their son should deserve better. And I and I do get it from their perspective because he is getting ready to get a third head coach, and he's going to have to learn under a new system again. However, you know, there's New Orleans Pelicans fans that are all upset, saying that you know, well, if Zion doesn't want to be here, then he can leave. You know, you know that's all easy and well said, but New Orleans shows that they can't keep a superstar player. Hence the reason why, if they move to another fucking city, it's so easy because what happens in 2023 if they don't even have Zion? And they're like, you know what? We don't have Zion. We're not even getting a discount. It's not like we're drawing fans to the biggest degree. We can just go to fucking Seattle and draw more fans or go to somewhere else and draw more fans. And and I actually can't blame them now because because if you get rumors hey, like this, this hey, makes it where Oklahoma, they are very high popular basketball city. But they already got the Oklahoma City Thunder. Yeah, but they can move too. 
let OKC go back to Seattle instead. Today, with the original superstars in the first place. Well, you have to tell the Oklahoma City ownership that one. So. That's fine. Um, that's fine right, because well, that's small market over there. They're not doing that much justice either. Well, how about this year, though? Moving into some <laughs> WWE news. <laughs> well, well, for real, though. Because, WWE... yeah, for real, because now, because now, because now, now you're going to put it in that perspective, right? Seattle yep. Superstars, right? Before yep. the before the move, before the buyout, then the move, and everything else like that, right? They were a playoff team, but then when they came over, the, uh, the, or the OKC, it was trying to find a new identity, um, and you know that kind of thing. Uh, they got the KD and Russell Westbrook and James Harden at first. If it wasn't for those three, that shit would have never even fucking exist like that. No, so. I would say if the small market annuals ain't doing and then since the NHL just um expanded that um expanded that Seattle Kraken um hockey team now preparing for next season. That that's looking like the place to really start our phrase has that too. So just like you said. But I feel like if that's really gonna be the case, the OKC OKC gotta go back to Seattle first before new before New Orleans even going there before them. I just don't sit. You know, that just don't sit well. Well, we'll see what happens in 2023. Of course, of course, we'll actually we'll find out what happens next year technically because if you're moving uh, NBA franchise and all this, it's going to cost you about 22 million to change licensing and naming and all this bullshit. So it takes about a year, which is about yep. 17 months. Hence the reason why the um, Washington football team is called the Washington football team, because Dan Snyder is not paying 20 um, some million dollars right now. So Bitch. I can't blame him. So he rather just have a regular football team name than just saying to myself, you know what, and we're trying to, Build this new, brand new identity. We can't just be a plain black football team. But then again, our actions is going to be worth it. And you see what happens. You, you know, it's funny in North Carolina. You know, we still have Washington Redskins merchandise. We really do in North Carolina. I don't know why. I hope and pray it's on clearance and like Marshalls all that some shit. It, it, it is on clearance. Oh, it's, oh, just, <laughs> it's just, it just, it still says Washington Redskins. It literally does. Like. Like, you see, you could go, it, it, it does. It's. It, I think it's like five dollars, you know. But I mean, I sale, that, everything must go. I, I, it, it's. It still. It still sits on the shelf. No one buys them. Trust me. I, I got like one. <laughs> fa- I got one family member, um, Pam. You know, who's like my second mother. No, like Pam is a huge Washington football fan, but even she doesn't call them the Washington football team. Like. And I know she won't call them no fucking Washington football team. She'll think that's the stupidest name ever. But to me, I actually like the name, you know. But I, but I'm in like the majority here too because I'm because at the same time though, you know, I am an NFL fan. I'm just not one of a certain team. I'm just I'm just all around the board. So, but anyway, so closing out the first hour with all the NBA news, we're getting into hour two. It's WWE news now that we're getting into because tomorrow night. For some reason, we're getting this. It's going to be the first televised match since 1998 of this. Hell in a Cell comes early. It's Roman Reigns defending his Universal title against Rey Mysterio inside the Hell in a Cell on SmackDown. Uh, Blackheart, what's your thoughts on this? What the fuck was that about? (laughs) That was my first thought. What the fuck is this about? So, like, uh, like, just (sighs) no comment. (laughs) 
No comment. <laughs> you know, I don't know, me of- I don't know, uh, I don't know who the hell made that call, but I got a few questions. <laughs> so, which means, if we're getting this match now, right? So, which means, yeah. are we going to see Child Abuse Part 3 with Dominic Mysterio at Hell in a Cell instead? I, I don't think Roman would be on the card for Hell in a Cell. If that's Hell the case. no, listen. No, 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 listen. The only way that this prolongs into Hell in a Cell, if Robert Roman got to be there, they actually show his face. Is that Jimmy gets involved in the match and says, like, yo, bro, you're going, you're going off the head. Stop. And then he's going to just look at Jay. He's just going to beat and whoop his ass. And he's going to go right back in the back and say, I want my cousin at Hell in the Cell on Sunday. Lock me in here with, in Hell in the Cell with my cousin. I'm going to beat the shit out of him. For getting involved. You know, in I, now he doesn't want to play a part in my world? Fuck him now. You know, and I got this feeling. I got this feeling that. They're going to give you the Hell in a Cell match tomorrow night. And here, and here's, and I'm going to explain why they probably did this. They probably did this because they probably realized, okay, we're getting up. We're going to have to compete with two NBA games. Yeah. Just one. Nope. And two. they're like, you know what? Let, uh, yeah. Yeah. And they're like, you know what? We're just going to hot shot this episode. Fuck it. They, they, they just, I they mean, yeah, hot like, a go home episode to a pay per view. Well, you know what though, it, it will work. It, it will. I mean, it's gonna. I mean, get, it's gonna it will. Almost... I mean, it will. I mean, it will to the vivid fan, right? But sometimes that vivid fan will also still say, "Well, I kind of want to watch Ice Tray play." Yeah, look a little bit of Roman. I got a DVR. I can just hit that record and come back to it later. Well, I, I will say though, this should be SmackDown's highest number of the year. It really should be. Yeah. They should at least average over. They should be getting around two point five mil for this, because yeah. you're giving you're giving away a, a free yeah. championship match inside of a Hell in a Cell. You should be getting about two point five. You're probably gonna get maybe two point three mil, but I don't expect no two point five. There's no way that that close to a Hell in a Cell, right? And they and true people know what Hell in a Cell really means. Not this gimmicky all red cage bullshit that we've seen for the last few fucking years. They, they wish that they could see the hell of the cell from 1997, 1998, 1999, 2000, 2001, 2002, 2003. And I can keep going, but I choose not to. That's when it started really guy Jimmy Key when it came to the 2010s. That's when I said, okay, nope, this is it. Because once you turn TLC into a pay-per-view, that's when I had lost total respect for that company. You can't do that. So, in this juncture, in this case... People who already been experiencing this for the past ten years, they already know what the hell the hell of cell thing is gonna look like. It's just you didn't want to sacrifice watching Roman being the living shit out of me, being the living shit out of someone's father. Child abuse part four. <laughs> well, also then um on AEW tomorrow night, it was announced Julia Hart will take on Penelope Ford. Um the card for AEW tomorrow night at ten o'clock. It is a taped episode, by the way, people. Wardlow versus Jake Hager, MMA cage fight. That's Penta, gonna be Eddie, Penta, Eddie Kingston, and Kazarian take on the Good Brothers and Matt Jackson, the Young Bucks. Cody Rhodes and um, Brock Anderson, who's the son of Arn Anderson, takes on QT Marshall and Aaron Solo. Andrade El Idodo sits down with Jim Ross, Darby Allen, and Scorpio Sky. Um, Darby Allen takes on Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page in a handicap. Orange Cassidy takes on Cesar Bononi. And that and to me, this looks like a card. 
I don't think I don't think it's going to be anything to really write home about on this yeah, show but either. Sadly, yeah, but sadly, people's going to hit their DVRs too because you got to really think about this whole. And this is and, and the AEW is just basically saying we got to survive until the end of the goddamn playoffs. We can go back to TNT once we get past the Eastern Conference and once the Conference Finals, we can come back. So they just surviving out as much as they can. So they can go back to Wednesday until when they gotta go over the TBS, which is which. If you keep thinking about it, Eastern Conference Finals, Western Conference Finals, that will be like every other day, every year, every every other day. So you have the mix between twelve and fourteen games right there already as is. That's already gonna be on between TNT, um, ESPN. I won't say ABC. We get ABC that will only be if it's uh, if, it, if it's on the weekends. Um, so by the, so by that dynamic, they're still going to maintain within. I get. I'm going to guess somewhere between the five five fifty to six to, to six hundred thousand viewer range tomorrow right. night. I don't even think they're even going to hit that. I think they might get four fifty because mm-hmm. because it, because it's Friday night. It's it comes on at ten. The Jazz and Clippers is a, a important game six. Mm, but people are already going to be looking at that game. But like, you know what? And Clippers are playing at home. If Paul George played the way that he played the game five, I mean, played the game five, they're more likely they already know that they're probably not going to watch that game. Exactly. It's all about yeah. what people are going to be looking at. That TV guy and saying, you know, and, you know, and looking at and saying to themselves and looking at and thinking about what they know, depending on the 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 the, the demographic. Of of viewers, majority of male viewers are basketball fans before wrestling fans. So we understand we're not going to be seeing those seven hundred fifty eight 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 hundred k because why? SmackDown has been the main primary wrestling show on Fridays since nineteen ninety nine. So when you think about that fucking dynamic, you see why did they still maintain the two point one to two point four million average per week? They never been down two mil. Since I think, uh, since I think one week randomly was something when something awkward has happened. But either way, so they've been the mainstay for nearly twenty years. You know what I'm saying? So people already know SmackDown like the back of their head compared to AEW. That's something that's still new and still fresh in people's minds. It's not always going to be like, okay. I gotta watch this first. No, they're going to be watching SmackDown first before they go through any other programming afterwards. So, yeah, um, and as far as other wrestling news, uh, Kenny Omega, Sammy Callahan is set for the Impact Slammiversary. Don Callis on the Impact show tonight was fired as the VP by Tommy Dreamer. Um, of course, Don Callis has no, is not been a VP since the spring, so, but, um, yeah, I mean, we're going to get Sammy Callahan, uh, Kenny Omega at the Impact Slammiversary, uh, I've been told that there will be about 100 to 150 people in Nashville for that pay-per-view. Um, yeah, that's not the one. Yeah, I mean, hey, I mean, good, good, good. I mean, just, it was, a, I liked it. I actually did see this uh, segment. Um, I, I thought Sammy Callahan did great. I did. I thought he did absolutely great. And um, I don't, I know he's not going to beat Kenny Omega, but I no. mean, they should have a great match. I mean, they should have a great match, though. It's going to be a very brutalizing match then, if anything else, because I don't know if Impact really 
update their rules when it comes to stuff like that because of, you know, those disqualifications and shit like that. So there always be some, some crooked screwing booking that they do when it comes to certain matches like these, especially when you got Sally Cayman, a, Sa- a, Sammy, a, a Sammy Callahan, who is like a mixed breed of Mick Foley and um, Eddie Kingston. So you know there's going to be some type of violent um, object somewhere in the midst of shit like that, but yeah, they, but they're not going to wave it off. So the referees don't really have that much control for shit. Yeah, I, I will say this here though about Kenny Omega. I mean, because I was telling you about Saturday night when he took that that Spanish fly from Moose off the top rope, and he yeah, was just, like, that. just did it like and. Yeah, I see. And I told myself, if he didn't puncture anything, he didn't puncture anything in his abdomen and shit like that, then he stopped his nails. Exactly. And and then, of course, it was reported in the Wrestling Observer newsletter last week that Omega has been dealing with, you know, a stomach bug. Uh, knees are now, you know, his knees are getting pretty bad. Um, you got what else happened? Uh, shoulder, of, of course, of course, he's been had the torn rotator cuff since that double or nothing match with Hangman against the Young Bucks. But uh, Kenny's definitely going through a lot of injuries. Um, hey, bring it on though, the second hour. Bring it on the second hour. Tavon Jameson. Tavon, what's going on, man? Tavon. Hey Zach. Hey Blackheart. Um, Welcome back. Just, just pretty much. Uh, Chilling. I already saw um, the Bucks Nets game, and I just gotta say, Giannis and um, Chris Middleton, they did their thing. They did. Um, I, and hey, um, I did have to. And Tavon, we just got into this here. SmackDown Friday is gonna have the first oh, Hell yeah, in a Cell yeah. match since 1998 oh, on television. It's... I gotta ask you, what what was your thoughts on this when you? At first, I, I was pretty much, I was pretty much um, so confused because like they literally just ha- just planned this for hell in the cell. It's like, it's like they literally just listened to Wade Mysterio on Twitter and just put the match there on SmackDown when really it should be in hell on the pay per view on Hell in the Cell on Sunday. But we, but yeah. see, now we were thinking like the only reason why that they did that was because they got two playoff games going on tomorrow, and basically, you know, the that you know, there's only really like six million people that really watch the television on Fridays. So we got two playoff basketball games on. Wrestling is going to be really like the fourth or fifth option. Uh. So we were just thinking, like, okay, well, if this Hell in the Cell does happen, then what's going to happen at Hell in the Cell, the pay-per-view itself? Are we going to see Dominic in part four get his ass beat? Are we going to see Jimmy get involved into the match and try to stop it? And then he gets his ass Molly wobbling and Roman just wants, then Roman wants to be his cousin instead? We might never know what can happen tomorrow. Yeah, because, like, with... With that match now being on SmackDown, now it's like, well, well, Hell in the Cell. Like, it's literally just four matches on the card now. Pretty much. And, but, and, but you know what, though? I actually got this feeling, though, that they're going to give you the Usos versus Ray and Dominic Mysterio at Hell in the Cell Sunday. <sighs> but, that, but then that's just going to have to mean 
Mysterio might just have to just wrestle twice in one night. I mean, I mean, hey, a lot of people have done it before. I'm just saying. I mean, but it's not going to be. It's not going to be. Why would you have to have tomorrow then? That means Rey Mysterio is going to wrestle three times in two days. Yeah, I mean. I definitely can see it happening. I mean, I mean, I mean, no offense, they're already paying. This is this man's crazy ass booking right now. This is him basically doing what Tony Khan does with NXT and AEW was on Wednesdays head to head at the same time. Well, speaking of Tony Khan, um, we actually got um, some confirmation about the how is AEW Dark Dark Elevation and Rampage going to be taped. So, in an interview with PW Insiders Mike Johnson during the Wednesday press event. Tony Khan gave some insight about this. He said Rampage will be live on some weeks, taped on other weeks after Dynamite. The Queen show is one example where Rampage will be taped due to the crowd, which will be one of the criterias going forward. The August Rampage debut will be live in addition to any go-home weeks for the pay-per-views. The all-out go-home Rampage will be at the Sears Center, the same venue as the pay-per-view. Dark and Dark Elevation, when they go out on the road in July, Monday's Dark Elevation shows will be filmed prior to Dynamite and will be a shorter show. Sometimes Khan, um, sometimes Khan may add matches that I'll explain where I'll add them from. He's, produce, he's, he's also going to procure a venue to order to film um, Dark on Tuesdays in addition to other content so you can give 100% attention to the show and not have to worry about filming uh, three shows all in one night. Yeah, that's smart. That's a very smart move. And I um, think you just trying to brace up for not having to do too many house shows and then you have the same equivalent of what's happening with WWE. I think he's just trying just to say we need to do house shows. We will want to do house shows, but we don't want to do crazy number of house shows that you guys are waiting for your families and shit like that. And some people, like Britt Baker, have other obligations outside of wrestling that they take seriously, and I think he takes that seriously as well. So well, I that, did, well, helps. I that helps. Well, that really does help. Well, but, 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 this because, is, but this is my thing, though. Why can't Dark and Dark Elevation just stay in Daly's place? Like, no well, offense. I mean, it's not like it's not like these wrestlers that are on Dark and Dark Elevation right. are really working Dynamite, though. Like most of them are not. Right, but I think here's the thing with Daily Space, though, too. That's always gonna be their home plate. But I think they they're not trying to make the atmosphere stale. So when people come back to Daily Space to try to go to try to come to another event, you like you don't have people that just say, "Oh, I want to go to Daily Space." Anymore. You know what I mean? You want to try to give that a break, venture out, and then come back later, and then you have a oh, then, then you have a sold out rocking crowd at your home base. That's like saying, I mean, like that's like saying for WWE to stay only in the Northeast, and then we come back around to to, to like New York every other week. Well, that's what they did do in the nineties, though. So yeah, WCW back in the nineties, that was different because you had other territories back then before they before they started closing the fuck out. Tavon, what's your thoughts on these comments? Um, it's interesting that um, AEW is taping shows that way. I think it is kind of smart. I mean, it Plus it's the load of, of the load of the content, I guess. Plus. 
If you think about it, plus if you think about it financially, it's cost effective that. Yeah. Because if you're doing multiple things, right? So the way that like how like you said how how and how everything is structured, right? So it means now each one of them is going to have a, like a balance of where we got this much to invest in it, we're trying to make this much back. And especially through what four shows, even though two other shows are technically like NXT combined, one of them is going to be propped up to be maybe another SmackDown, which is that's going to be Rampage, and Don and Dynamite has always been the Monday Night Raw for them. I will say this here, though. You know, AEW is not going to be profitable this year, but that's due to the video game that is coming out. Right. Um, but when that video game does come out, and if it's a smash, they, you're, they're going to make that money back in the month. I doubt that, because because wrestling video games don't sell anymore. They don't. No, but some of these marks, though, especially, they don't give a fuck about what the fuck it is. They will buy and gobble the shit up. Especially I understand that. I understand that, but, but but WWE hasn't even sold a 2K game. They haven't even sold a million copies of a 2K game. Oh yeah, in like of course, four or because, five years. But yeah, because it's yeah, really hard to sell a million of them. Oh nah, because that was before with the whole GM mode back then with SmackDown versus Raw was in. That was the hardest thing when they took that. I mean, so when they took that out, they lost it. I, I'm, I, I gotta, I gotta see me, how this does. Because, I mean, because for me, being as one of those wrestling fans that would buy a game, buy a wrestling game each and every year around Thanksgiving, because that was always when they, because that was always when they were ever released. We'll always get the same. I mean, we'll always get that version year after year after year until when that GM shit stop. Well, and then, and then I didn't come back into it until I think what WWE thirteen. Uh, yeah, WWE thirteen. It was last THQ game. Yeah, so that was the one that I came back into before they before they started doing the two K series. I'm like, you can't. I'm like, I'm like, I mean, it's a kind of brave move, but only two K is only work. It's only good for basketball. I don't know about wrestling, but we'll see about that later. But as we found out, yeah. So also, um. How about this here? I want to say congratulations to Maxwell Jacob Freeman. MJF becomes the very first ever wrestler to launch his own cryptocurrency. Hmm. So, so yeah. Um, it, it's available on Riley. Um, it's um, dollar. MJF has over 330 supporters after launching Thursday afternoon, and it's over $137,000 backing with over four, with over 1,000 with, uh, over 114,000 coins in existence as of 4:30 p.m. Eastern. Dollar MJF can be purchased for $5 U.S. currently on Riley. Um, explain simply: cryptocurrency is a digital. Or virtual money, virtual money existing only in electronic form. This is a creator coin slash social token designed to create a personal economy around him. Um, gotta ask you, Tavon and Blackheart, what's your thoughts on this? Mm, it's kind of cool. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, I'm not really too surprised. Um, I'm, I, I, I should kind of, I, th- I think this will actually be successful for MJF. Well, I mean, I mean, uh, I mean, well, I mean, well, I did. let me think about it. I'm not technically saying like, I'm like totally surprised. Like, I wasn't expecting that. I was just like, I'm not surprised because there's a lot of people, including, um, Sean Spears' wife, who's, a, who's an executive, uh, who's a fucking executive for a cryptocurrency, I mean, for a cryptocurrency company herself. Well, I, I, trying to slowly 
slowly dump a little salary into that thing. And I think something's about to happen when it comes to this American dollar bill situation and how that's about to lose value. And now cryptocurrency is going to be the new currency for the next 20 something or some odd years. I, I I mean I mean you've already got NHL teams such as the Seattle Kraken. Yeah, obviously you got the, NHL teams. Yep, they're going to be the, the same thing. Yep, the San Jose Sharks became the first team to accept cryptocurrency now in their venues before the season ended this past year. The Carolina Hurricanes are going to be bringing it in next year, from what I was told. Um, so I mean, yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of stuff. I mean, I, I will say this here though, to me. I think it's actually going to be very smart, and I think MJF is actually going to make probably more money in this in the next year or two than he will in wrestling in the next year or two. Um, and then I also look at this here as well. You know, the NBA Top Shot, I don't know if you guys have heard of that, but that's kind of like the digital currency of what the, the NBA 2K My Cards are when you play NBA 2K, except these NBA Top Shot cards – when you buy the card, you're literally buying the music. Get the highlights. It's the music. It's a card from a specific game. There's a Luka Doncic card where he hit the game where he hit like a buzzer beater inside the bubble over the Clippers, and that card is worth over forty three thousand dollars. Speaking, you know, it's a forty three thousand dollar card. You know, in my opinion, now I've talked to people that are like the Jim Cornettes of this. Um, that's no pun intended to Blackheart, but I've actually met people that will tell me this shit is like, oh, well, we must be be taking a shit on our fucking money. So just going to insult us like this. And I even had one person as well. And, and I, and I, and I asked her about this NBA top shot and I did ask her about this because she wanted to know what the fuck this NBA top shot was because she was seeing that Will Smith invested money, Kevin Durant and others. And I, and I showed her a video of it and I, this was my first time watching it as well. And I understood it right off the bat why they're doing this and why it makes so much money. And this is what she said. She said, so I'm buying a fucking virtual card just to have in my virtual fucking wallet on a virtual fucking computer. She said, what happens when my computer doesn't have fucking Wi-Fi? She said, she said we might as well be taking a shit on our fucking money if I'm going to be paying that much for a fucking card. I said, I said, but you're not even getting the point. I said, it sells. I said, I said you don't have to like it. It's an investment that is actually working. She said, no, nah, that's stupid as fuck. She said, right, you got to right. be the dumbest son of a bitch to ever. Right, that's like buying a Van Gogh painting and waiting 10 years later to sell it at four times the profit, uh, at four times the amount that you pay for it. Yeah, but the thing is with these NBA, yeah, but this thing with the NBA Top Shark cards, though, they're not going – it's not going to be like that, though. Because because how these NBA Top Shots have now been working the last six months that I've been looking at this – Every time they bring out new packs of cards, because they only bring out a certain number and you pay like nine, ten dollars, they always run out within that day. And then what happens is everyone's selling their cards and shit, and now the money's getting less and less. Only certain moments are going to be a certain price for a very long time. But what's going to happen is when so many people start coming in, which has been the thing the last six or seven months, it's going to be – where the money's going to start dropping and the price for cards are going to go up higher, which then will then go back to like the hotel Airbnb situations on social media where you're going to be more reliable to buy a pack of cards than buying a $15 pack of a virtual currency and 
landing and getting something of a Sadiq Gay Bay, when in reality you want the Paul George who had 37 and 16 last night. You know, so so that's where I think so that's what's going to happen, and that's all and that's always what happens with cryptocurrency as well. When cryptocurrency gets big to a certain degree, it will the money won't be as big, but then when people are not as using it as much, then it goes back up. It's uh, it's it's not a supply and demand. It's called you know it's called you know first come first serve basis. So if you jump on it early, you're you're getting your money. If you jump on it late, you're not going to see the investment portfolio. You know so. But that, but that, but that's definitely where I've, you know, I've talked to people about that, you know, and and I and I do know people that like the NBA Top Shot, and I know people that actually pay, you know, a lot of money for the NBA Top Shots. To me, I've not done it, but I do enjoy people, you know, spending that kind of money, and if they like it, they love it, and you know, they're and you know, some are giving away cards. Uh, uh, check out No Dunks Inc. Um, on the YouTube channel. They are they are a part of the athletic network. They are the former um, starters of NBA TV. You know they do NBA Top Shot um, live streams uh, about an hour um, on YouTube, and you can check them out for free if you guys if you guys like that stuff. And you know and yeah, and, and for keeping it two hundred um, to close out the night, we talk about NHL. The Lightning beat the Islanders 2-1. The Lightning are up 2-1 in the series now. Ah, yes. Yeah. And as a special treat to everybody here today, we are actually, because um, shout out to the hockey guy on YouTube. You guys make sure to check him out. I definitely love the hockey guy. He's He's definitely he's definitely my um, he's definitely one of my favorites now. Um, as far as like one of my favorite guys to talk to, but the hockey guy got me into this and we're going to go through the 2021 NHL players poll results. Of course, the hockey guy actually kind of went into a rant just like myself about this. Like last night I was making fun of, you know, the women, uh, you know, being, you know, you know, not doing the voting and stuff. Right. And the hockey guy was like, the hockey guy made this funny point. He was like, he's like, he's like, oh, he's like, you think that like, and he, because the fans in hockey, are more different than what we are in basketball. In basketball, you know, as fans, we don't want the vote. We want the players and coaches to have the vote. In hockey, they fans want the vote. They don't want GMs or no players to have the vote. So the hockey guy went into this rant a little bit and said, oh, so you think that you deserve a vote over this player or GM? When did the NHL ever call you for their opinion? So, so he got to have some sarcastic remarks. But it was funny, though. Um, how about this year, though? For on the ice, the best goal scorer, according to NHL players, was Austin Matthews of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Second was Alex Ovechkin. Um, spoiler, people, no Carolina Hurricanes made this. Um, so, yeah. yeah. Um, Boston Bruins, though, David um, Pastron made it at 6.2% on the best score uh, goal on ice. So, congrats to Blackheart for that. Uh, who's the best? De- who's the best defenseman? Yeah. It was Tampa Bay Lightning's Victor Hedman, um, and then Nashville Predators Roman Joshi. Um, best goalie was Andre Vasilevsky of the Tampa Bay Lightning, and Mark Andre Fleury. Um, Vasilevsky beat Fleury though fifty four to eight point eight eight percent. Carey Price finished third in that, and um, fifth was um, Rask. The goalie for the Boston Bruins. So, congrats to Blackheart again. 
Thank you. Uh, the most complete player, it was actually a tie. Congrats to Blackheart again. It was Sidney Crosby and Patrice Bertrand for the Boston ha, Bruins. Thank so, you. <laughs> so, fuck, fuck this. I don't even like this no more. See, this is the reason why I don't understand how the fuck did we lose to the fucking Islanders in the last round. Mm-mm-mm. Well, that's I what you're fucking. I mean, wait, come on now. What? Well, the hockey. Well, the hockey guy did say this here though. He said New York. He said the New York crowd. You're either going to be flattered by them or you're going to be insulted by them. And I'm guessing from your point of view, you were insulted by them. Yes, we was. Cause you know, New York and Boston, we don't like each other. They just bring Bruins back in the day when this is Babe Ruth. So you know, well, any sport involving New York and Boston. Is is not going to be fun. <laughs> well, if um, how about this here? The next question was: If you need one game to win, who is the one player you're getting you want on your own team? Connor McDavid won this, and I actually agree with Connor McDavid definitely on this. Uh, Sidney Crosby was next, uh, fifth on this list. He was actually tied fifth. It was Patrice Bertrand of the Boston Bruins with Andre Vasilevsky. So, congrats to Black. Thank Bruce. you. Thank you. <laughs> Bruins, um, who has the oh, please? Uh, who has the best shot? Alex Ovechkin by NHL players. Uh, forty-eight percent, actually close to forty-nine percent. Austin Matthews finished second. Uh, sixth on this list was David Pastron for the Boston Bruins. So again, congrats to Blackheart. <laughs> uh, who's the best stick handler? It was Patrick Kane of the Chicago Blackhearts and Connor McDavid. Who is the best passer? It was Nicholas Bestrom and Patrick Kane. And then we're going to player personality by NHL players. Which player has the most unique tape job? David Pestrat won this for the Boston Bruins with 42%. And David, I, got, David, I got seven oh, fucking trophies. I'm holding for them. Oh my god! You see what you did, NHL players? Come on now! I, I, now, well, now man. you have to agree with the fans. Now, can we get the ten? <laughs> can we get the ten well, one? I was like, it's like, can we get the ten? Can we get the ten trophies for me? Well, I will. Well, I will say this here though: you're getting ready to have an eight trophy because Woo! which player is the most fashionable? Austin Matthews won, but eleven percent also said David. So, we're gonna get my wheelbarrow. <laughs> well, uh, well, I well, I said PK Sutterbird is probably the best dressed athlete that no one doesn't talk about. You know, PK Sutterbird um, also is, um, I believe, married or engaged to Lindsey Vaughn, who once dated Tiger Woods. So, wait, awesome. I thought they were divorced. Uh, Lindsey Vaughn and PK Sutterbird. I'm pretty sure they're dating because last time I checked on this dude's Instagram, I saw I saw they were, you know, going out on a date. So. Just um, I do, but I do know Lindsay Vaughn did date Tiger Woods. Though. I do know she dated him, but I have not kept up with. Yeah, I knew I'm, that. I'm, but I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I saw a video of um, Jada Black from like months ago, and it was talking about how um, Lindsay Vaughn and PK Summer split. Um, I'm I'm googling this right now. I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna go I'm gonna I'm googling this right now, folks. So I'm just shining out all of these beautiful trophies in the background. Okay. Right? Yeah, uh, <laughs> okay, yeah, they did break up December 30th, 2020. Okay, so so I have not checked this dude's Instagram in a long time then. But I thought he was still dating her. Um, sad shame. Um, she finds herself, too. Um, which Who is the most um, superstitious player? Sidney Crosby won this. Nobody from Boston won this. 
and next season, and of course, next season's opinions. It was a question from the NHL players: Would you like to see regional divisions carried forward? As because of this year, the divisions were all you know messed up due to COVID. And 68% said no, they don't want to see that. However, 66% said they would like to actually have a series style like the MLB because they actually enjoyed playing the same team over and traveling less and getting more rest. Also, who won the reverse retro jersey was the Colorado Avalanche, then the LA Kings. I'm sorry to say that Blackheart, the Boston Bruins did not even make this list. So, um, yeah, but you yeah. had some pretty nasty ass. Um, jerseys back then too, so I can't complain. I, I I I'm very disappointed by the players. I cannot believe they they didn't even like the Hartford Whaler jerseys that the Carolina Hurricanes rock. Those, those, <laughs> are, those are those hey. Oh oh wow, man, that's that's cool. Yeah, I can I can see that. I can see that. Hey, oh. and uh, as for the final closing moment, check out SB Nation's beef history, and you see why the fuck I said that. Or YouTube. Check them out. Well, how about this here, though? Um, to close out, keeping it 200 as well. We're also saying um, congratulations to Filthy Tom Waller as, you know, he is retiring from the MMA. He finished with an 11-8-0-1 mark with no MMA titles to his name. Of course, if you don't know who Filthy Tom Waller is, he is on the MLW shows that you can now check out on. And he's also he's also the IWGP Open Weight Champion. Yep, on New Japan Strong, and and he is co-host of the Figure Four Daily with Brian Alvarez on Sundays, and he is yes, he uh, Paisley's godfather. Yes, he so, is. Um, Paisley's goddaughter, uh, some. So, um, but however, uh, Filthy Tom Lawler retired after finishing fourth in the standings, and he won tonight in a unanimous decision over Jordan Young on the PFL on ESPN, I believe, on the ESPN Plus, but. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I mean, good career for Filthy Tom. I mean, nothing wrong right there. I mean, so yeah. Um, any um, now we're gonna take it to the Miller Light keeping it two hundred moment of the night where everyone gets a two hundred moment of themselves. Make sure you go grab yourself a Miller Light from the fridge or go and go buy one and please drink responsibly. We're gonna take it to Tavon. Tavon, what's your thoughts on your two hundred moment of the night? <sighs> 200 moment of the night. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna. <laughs> I'm pretty much gonna have to say the Bucks surprisingly won. Well, I, I I probably shouldn't say it's a surprise. I mean, they did win at home after all. But yeah, they're still alive in this series, pretty much. And we got a game seven. Well, ask me. I have to agree with uh, Chris Milton becoming the number one option in, in tonight's game against uh, against the Nets, but also the Rick call out mutually part ways from the Dallas Mavericks is also one that kind of stuck me too about this whole now the offseason of the head coach vacancy. What's going to happen with him? As we talked about it earlier, let's see what my Boston Celtics does. Let's see what Brad Stevens thinks about. And I will say this here, though, in um, from what I was from what I've been told by reports that Donnie Nelson and Mark Cuban, their relationship was actually very bad this year and actually last year. However, 
they when they when they both mutually agreed to part ways, they actually got along um, in this. So, uh, for the keeping it two hundred moment of the night for me, I'm gonna give it um, not to a love of my life, not to you know a mother of mine. Um, I'm gonna give it to Rod Brendamore of the Carolina Hurricanes. Not only did he become the Jack Adams Award winner, which is voted on by broadcasters. It is. He also received a three-year extension for the Carolina Hurricanes. Rod Brendamore, if you do not know how important he is to the Carolina Hurricanes franchise, this is a man that came from the Philadelphia Flyers as a journeyman. He won the 2006 Stanley Cup um, Finals for the Carolina Hurricanes when they beat the Elmington Oilers, and he was the captain of this team. Um, Also, he is the first head coach to get us back in the playoffs in over a decade, Brendan Moore, 120, 66, and 20 in his three seasons as the Carolina Hurricanes head coach. After missing the playoffs nine straight seasons where we were a laughing stock, we're actually now a team that is now back on the horizon. Finished second in power play percentage this year, right behind the Oilers. Third in penalty killing percentage. And we only and that was trailing on the Golden Knights and Boston Bruins. And Carolina was the only team ranked in the top three in each category. Um, that's only a tie with the Bruins as well. So great stuff from Rod Brendamore. I'm proud of him for winning the Jack Adams Award. I'm proud of him for getting the extension. Rod Brendamore may have been a Philadelphia Flyer and stuff. To, and to Philly fans, he is considered a traitor to some and to some, you know, you know, a underclass person that never got his credit. But Rod Brendamore in Carolina – I mean, he is a Carolina Hurricane for life. He literally has a home in North Carolina. And this was the same guy that got three goalies. He had three goalies this year, all playing their best hockey, and kept this team as as a top five team. And they even won their own um, central division. So congratulations to Rod Brendamore on everything. And I'm definitely glad to have him as a coach. I'm definitely glad to have him. And he's definitely, my, he's definitely one of my favorite players of all time. He's definitely, he's probably right up there as like my top five players of all time. Like at least right there at top three, of course, number one, you know, yeah, I'm going to say number one is Rod Brendamore, but number two is of course the great one, the 99 Wayne Gretzky. Um, so yeah. Um, but definitely though, that's all for the, and Bobby Orr, too. Uh, Bobby Orr's not on mine. Hey, but uh, I'm saying he's on mine, stuff. Oh, I was going to say, I was going to say, like, um, actually, top five, actually, fifth would actually be Gordy Howe for me. So, I, I, I'm a big fan of Gordy Howe. Um, also, uh, and, and, you know, I am a fan of the Philadelphia Mean Street um, Brawlies of the 80s. So, I'm definitely a big fan of them. Pelly Lindbergh is fourth on my list. Um, of course, if you don't know who Pelly Lindbergh is, he was going to be one of the NHL's greatest superstars, probably probably would have been the greatest Connor McDavid today. However, an automobile accident ended his life tragically at a young age. So, um, But Pelly Lindbergh in his three seasons was a magician. So don't play with Pelly Lindbergh. Anyways, that is all for keeping it 200. Uh, Blackheart, are we doing a show tomorrow or no? Because there's too much shit going on. I don't think. I mean, no, because if we did, we had to do one war right after AEW Dynamite, so that's at midnight. Coin flips on you. I ain't got no company. I ain't got my girl staying with me tomorrow, so I'm straight. 
Uh, I'm going to say hell to the no because there's we got two NBA games and two wrestling shows. So, no. But Saturday, we can do it Saturday afternoon. Um, so, yeah. Um, everybody cool with Saturday afternoon? Tavon, you cool with Saturday afternoon? What yeah, time cool Saturday? What time Saturday afternoon? I got to be at Baby 2 2.30. Um, how about 2? Two? 2. All right. Tavon, 2 good with you? Mm-hmm. Sure. All right. All right. All right. All right so we'll we be do, back. Uh, all right. As long as the hold on, I'm going to check the weather. I'm checking the weather to make sure that the weather is not bad because if the weather <laughs> is bad, then we're going to be then then we're going to be fucked because last week that's what happened to me. Literally, was I said I said you know let's do this show at two thirty and then next thing I know the weather just um what you call it. I'm checking the weather forecast for Saturday. I, I know the Keeping It 200 show has turned into a meteorologist show. I, I don't understand how that happened, but um, hold on. I'm just going to – I don't know why I didn't – I didn't know. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> I, know, I know this is – I don't even know how we turn We got to get brief intermission, folks. Oh, my goodness, man. Well, I know Sunday that we're definitely having to do a Hell in a Cell post show. So, so, right. so, um, so, so Tavon, so Tavon, you at least know about that. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Okay, Saturday is looking good. It's supposed to be hot as hell. Sunday is supposed to be looking good. Monday, I, I see rain at fifty-seven percent. So, nope, I am probably not doing a show Monday. But Saturday and Sunday do look good. So. <laughs> That's all that matters to me. As long as Saturday and Sunday look good, then then we're then we're all straight. Um, but anyway, so that's keeping it for two hundred episode twenty seven. We'll be back with twenty eight Saturday because we'll be talking about two NBA games, two wrestling shows, and we'll also be getting into the All NBA rookie first and second team, which really won't be that much to talk about on the All NBA rookie and second team because most of the guys were already voted All First Team of Lamelo and, of course, um, Anthony Edwards. So, but that's all for the Keeping It Two Hundred episode twenty seven. How about this here though? We're actually going to end out the show today with "Yeah" by Usher. Does anybody have a problem with that today? No. I will say this here, this song will be playing at my wedding, so and I'm gonna be dancing just like how Kevin James did in Hitch. Oh yeah, play. I love that movie. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> but anyway, so that's all for keeping it two hundred episode twenty seven. We'll be back with twenty eight Saturday afternoon. Tavon, thank you for joining me as always. Thank you for Blackheart. Y'all make sure to show him some fucking love on Off the Top Rope podcast because here's the thing, Papa, we need brand new pairs of shoes and we need to pay that light bill. So anyway, so y'all make sure to check him out. I'll see you guys Saturday. Peace. Peace. Peace out.